welcome to episode 670 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of Comic Book Podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk about some comic books. I'm feeling better. Uh, I was having some stomach issues like a week or so ago. Um, just a prolonged, persistent stomach thing. Um, I'll be honest with you. I uh, thought it was COVID. Right. Took uh, two at-home tests and then uh, went to the uh, baseball game for the uh, LVAC on Thursday. And uh, everything just kind of worked itself out. You know what I hear cures that stuff? Doing shots in a barn. Oh, no. Well, I wasn't doing shots, but yes. Um, <laughs> I'll clear you right up. Yes, yes. Um, but what do we got on the show here this week, Todd? Uh, it's a light news week, a uh, slender read, if you will. Um, it rains again at Marvel, pun intended. Um, and surprising news about a creator that we both kind of like that I was weird to find out about. Um, conventions. Uh, what we read last week, which was uh, Peacemaker number four, I believe, and JSA number five, Just Society of America number five. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week, uh, Todd and Joe have issues where we reread Sandman, and this week it will be Sandman Vertigo Jam number one and Sandman 57 and 58, the beginning of the Kindly One story. I believe we have one art attack that I will be doing. Oh. And Joe, no TV or movie talk at the end. So no spoiler-filled talk at the end of the episode, as we always say. So <laughs> I might have something to bring up question-wise in regards to um, movie stuff for like a week or so from now. Okay, okay. Is it about uh, popcorn buckets? It certainly is. All right. All right, uh, so let's get into it. So, um, a creator that you and I both like, um, who is much smarter than pretty much everyone, um, because he's off pretty much all social medias at this point, uh, Donnie Cates uh, has wrote a ton of things that we both enjoy. And, you know, we noticed that, like, his Hulk run kind of got finished up. By the artist doing both the writing and the art on it. And then his Thor run kind of didn't have like a definitive. Like he's a big name enough writer, Donny Cates, that like he leaves a book. We're going to make a big deal about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he just kind of, you know, went away. Um, I know Vanish kind of wrapped up its little storyline. Crossover is on hiatus. It kind of reached like the end of the first chapter or whatever it was. But it turns out that the reason that all this stuff happened with Donnie Cates was he was in a really bad car accident. Yep. And on top of that, I mean, I don't like to talk about the pride, but he said it is he went through a divorce, too. So he was like he had like a lot going on, Joe. Yeah. And that's and again, obviously, hate talking about people's personal stuff. But if he's putting it out there on Maine, then he's putting it out there on Maine. Um you know, my, my heart really goes out to anyone who goes through any sort of separation or whatever it is like that. Um, you know, we all deal with these things sort of differently and in our own way. Um, but, you know, if you have like one big life changing event like that and then you have something else happen on top of it, you mm-hmm. know, it just kind of exacerbates everything. 
Um, you know, obviously the personal life stuff is what it is. Um, but he gets into like a description of the injuries that he had. Yep, like he uh, broke his ocular area. Yeah, shattered his uh his uh, his orbital socket, sliced his head open, and there was a quote non significant amount of bleeding on my brain. Oh, never a good phrase. No. Uh so yeah, I'm glad he's back on the mend. I'm glad he's you know, kind of getting back out into the public public eye. Hopefully this means, um, you know, uh, he'll be back creating and everything else. But, yeah, obviously health and well-being and everything else like that. I don't know Donny Cates from a hole in the wall. I'm just a fan of his work. But you, uh, it stinks to see anything like this happen to uh, anyone, period. You know, let alone a creator that you're a fan of. Yeah, I mean, and I hope, uh, you know, like, that he's up to to par for, like, you know, to, to do all the writing and stuff like that. Because brain injuries, like you said, not, you know, that's bad. Mm-hmm. So I wish him all the best and a lucrative career here on O's. Yeah. Uh, so it was also announced or teased or somewhere uh, that Marvel is planning on doing a sequel to what they're calling the most notorious Spider-Man story ever told. Mm-hmm. And my initial reaction was, they're bringing back the super fast aging ninja kids of Gwen Stacy and Norman Osborn. And they say, no, no, a different notorious one, right? Right. So it's a story called Spider-Man Reign, R-E-I-G-N, uh, it was written and drawn by Carrie Andrews, who Carrie Andrews was primarily known as an artist, but this was one of the first things that they wrote. The idea of this was to do a sort of Dark Knight Returns-esque story, a little bit more mature story of Spider-Man. I never read it. You know, the premise of it really didn't strike me as much. And you know it's not a great story when the thing that the book is known for is an uh a recall similar to that Batman the Dam what was the name of the Batman book where you saw it was, a yeah, bit- it was Batman Damned before Batman Damned was Batman Damned. Yeah. Um it was Batman it was so it wanted to be Dark Knight Returns, but it was the precursor to Batman Damned. Um as the book got recalled because you got to see a little bit more of uh Peter, pun intended, than <laughs> they would have liked. And we find out that it was um, Peter's radioactive bodily fluids that gave Mary Jane cancer. That's different than Superman's baby kicking a hole in Lois Lane. That's true. Right, completely different. And now we're doing a sequel to this. But Mary Jane might be back, is what they're speculating? I don't know what they're speculating. There's a red-haired um, lady in it, so it's got to be Mary Jane. That's the rule. Yeah, I don't know. They they speculated that Mary Jane was going to die in the current issues of Amazing Spider-Man, and that was a big, giant fake-out as well, you know? That was a giant marvel that was right there. Um, and listen, I, I I like to keep, you know, we're reporting the news here in this segment. Uh, I like to keep my editorializing away from these sort of things. But when it comes to Spider-Man, is this something that we were asking for? Is this something that we needed? I don't know. Was it a popular storyline at all, Joe? Other than like what you said? I don't remember. 
Right. I don't remember either. And this is a book that's, if I'm looking at, it's like, it's not coming up on like any sort of weird anniversary or anything, you know? Right. Um, it's like a book from 2006 ish, so like late 2006 into 2007. So like I said, it's not like an anniversary of this. And all of a sudden they were like a burning desire. Like we need to like tell more of this tale. <sighs> Who knows? Maybe they're planning on using the name. You know how, like, Marvel and DC have their names of things? Like, you know, Secret Invasion, Crises, and stuff like that. Maybe they want to, like, get the Rain name out there. So it could be, you know, used over and over and over again. I don't know. Like, they seem to be doing pretty good with, like, the Spider-Verse stuff. Right. You know, like, eh, are they doing, like, a... like? Is this their Ooh. way of like, oh, we're going to test the waters to see if we could do an R-rated Spider-Man movie? Maybe it, maybe that's why they push back the second half of Into the Spider-Verse. Uh-huh. So they could have uh, R-rated Reigns Spider-Man be the, the new Spider-Man that shows up. No. You know? No, I don't know. If this is for if this is, if this is for you, tell me. If this is something you've been clamoring for, reach out to me privately or publicly. I'm sure you'll do it privately. Right. Um, but uh, unrelated, um, Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 came out today on digital. Oh, okay. I so was saying it, Into the Spider-Verse. That was the, that was the on-Broadway thing, wasn't it? Um, th- th- oh, no. What was the on- Turn Off the Dark? Yes, Turn Off the Dark. What a terrible name. And several broken Spider-Men in that. Yes. Uh, so, I don't know. If you didn't see uh, Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 in the theaters, you know, now's your chance to see it in the privacy of your own home. If you saw it in the theaters, go watch it again, because we still don't have an official date on the other thing, right? I may watch that. I, I missed that in the theater, so. Yeah. And, hey, I'm going to throw a little light uh, news I think we'll probably get the full news on it next week. But McDonald's <laughs> is teasing some sort of crossover promotion something with Loki season two. It's going to be a green bun hamburger. I don't know what it is. Um, I tried sussing it out on my uh, McFranchise guy, but he was tight lipped on it. Sure, sure. Doesn't want to be outed, you know? Um, but if you dug a little bit deeper onto the McDonald's social media, it definitely feels as though they're referencing all the other times that McDonald's by name has been mentioned in movies and TV. Right. And low-key is on the list. Ooh, look at that. And I don't remember low-key and McDon- McDonald's being in low-key season one... Loki season two is coming up. We just got a new trailer for it. I'm not watching it because I'm watching the season anyway. And they're supposed to make an announcement about it on Monday. So we'll definitely be talking about it on the show next week. But again, I just wanted to throw that out there. That's my guess. I, I could be wrong. I'm um, really hoping I, we have to eat something at some point. Yeah, yeah. Get, give me the Prince of uh, the Prince of Lies meal at McDonald's, please. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Um, the, I will say I did have to explain the Thing Burger to Young Josh at the comic shop the other day. <laughs> like, I had what? to explain the Thing Burger to my kid like a week or two ago. 
Yeah, and he was like, what? I was like, yeah, it's only like 2,600 calories. Yeah. And I'm still working it off, Joe. Oh, yeah. still taste it. Uh, so that's what we got in news. Like I said, just trying to, uh, you know, throw what we have out there as well. We do have conventions going on this weekend. Uh, we do actually have a local convention in our neck of the woods, the Lehigh Valley Comic-Con. Uh, where is that taking place in the Lehigh Valley, the greater Lehigh Valley? I saw that it was in Shanksville. Schnecksville? I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a local con. It's a one-dayer. Uh, it's at the Lehigh Carbon Community College main campus right. in Schnecksville. Schnecksville. Yes. Uh, parking is free. Um... Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is going to be there. Paul Pelletier is going to be there. And Scott Hanna is going to be there. Yep. Uh, a, we have. Oh, it's hard. I was say, that's a big get, right? You know, for a small town. But anyway. Absolutely. We also have the Huntington Comic and Toy Convention in Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, we have Jim Shooter. It's a it's a quite the array of folks that are going to be there. Jim Shooter is going to be there. Um, get an interview with him, I say. <laughs> uh, uh, Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, is going to be there, and several members of the Chips cast is going to be there. Not just Eric Estrada. Not just Larry Wilcox, but also Robert Pine, who apparently was a cast member. Okay. All right. Uh, he's in the picture with them. Uh, but friend of the show, Kyle Starks, is going to be there. Cool, cool. I was hoping it was going to be the Chips Night a, a movie from 2017, but... No. A lot of good people there. But go see Kyle Starks. Love him. Friend of the show. Good writer. All-around nice guy. Yeah. And Coke Zero fan. You don't like the Coke products, though. I know he does. No, he does. Like okay. he was mad that he was in a he was in a Pepsi town at one con. We were talking. <laughs> uh, so last but not least, of course, um, is the biggie of the week. I would say, which is Fan Expo Chicago. I hope uh, it makes money. Uh, well, listen. When I look at this uh, guest list. Uh, I would certainly say that they are going to be making some money. Frank Miller is going to be there. Chris Claremont's going to be there. Uh, Doc Shaner is going to be there. Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, the new hot writing duo over in Marvel, are going to be there. This is the first time that I've seen their names pop up together at a convention. Right. Um, and then again, for mo for media type things, um, we have the vacation cast being there. From the top of the list, from the first vacation movie, from the top of the list at Chevy Chase to the bottom of the list at Anthony Michael Hall and all principles in between. Right. And the fact that we're on our about sixth or seventh time that this has happened, I'm glad at least two of these cast members have been behaving or have been keeping their dalliances out of the public eye. Mm, I wonder which ones they could be. Yes. Uh, the Back to the Future group is going to be out. Uh, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, and uh, Tom Wilson are going to be out together. You know, the group op, the group photo op thing and all that. No Crispin Glover? No Crispin Glover, no. Well, um, I that's going to be the get when some con gets that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know who they have instead? Uh, they do have who is becoming a convention regular, and every time he comes up, I would be remiss. That would be Barry Bostwick. <sighs> Love Barry. And I, I'll say this, and there's been enough weeks removed that I could say this, so I had reached out to someone who was going to be at a convention with Barry Bostwick. Mm-hmm. And they both may have famous gifts of them that go around the social media of them doing a thumbs up. Right. And instead of meeting Barry Bostwick, he went and met the entire cast of Boy Meets World. Oh, my God. What? Oh, I know. Joe, Joe, do not let me know who these people are. Because I will hunt them down and shoot them with my flying motorcycle missiles. Uh, but unrelated to whoever that person would be, uh, Academy Award winner and former AEW guest star Paul Walter Hausen is going to be there as well. Paul Walter Hauser? Okay. I don't know. They uh, Double J stole his Golden Globe and smashed him with a guitar. That's all I know him for. He won Golden Globes. He won Oscars. But he got hit by a guitar by Double J. I think that's that's what they're going to remember him for, you know? Yeah, the old El Cabong. That'll get you every time. Uh, So the links to these conventions, of course, will be in the show notes, uh, along with information about soon-to-be-named network uh, and soon-to-be-named network.com, soon-to-be-named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows go live, uh, you can find them, of course, at their individual sites, at their individual RSS feeds. Hey, if you're in the Discord, some of the folks even put their shows out early for you to access the Discord because they're nice like that. But you can find everything and anything when they go live at soon-to-be-named-network.com. And, of course, that's this show that you're listening to right now, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Add Outs with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Hiya Bussy, and anytime any of these folks go on any other shows and they let me know, you can find them there at soon-to-be-named-network.com. Yep. And you can also check out some of the other stuff that some of our other friends are up to in and around the internet. Uh, you can go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. You can go check out our friend Kevin's blog at MassLibrary.com. More of a companion piece for the stuff that we do over on Ad Odds with Wrestling, but he's got a lot of comic book stuff there. Um, again, I'm not telling Kevin how to do his business. I know he had a busy weekend, uh, but he should do a better job of linking up his... Um, appearances and stuff or in mm-hmm. and around the internet on its own blog. Uh, but I can't tell you how to do your business. Uh, I might have just did. Uh, go check out Rick Williams, the chop shop at free karate chops dot uh, You can check out all the cool sci-fi fantasy wrestling uh, figures and stickers and pins and stuff that he has there. Certainly looks like a lot of famous folks that I've seen in the world of professional wrestling, but with the uh, serial numbers filed off just enough that, uh, you know, we can keep doing what we're doing. Uh, Go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter. Issue one is available, uh, I assume, for immediate shipping. Uh, He's still creeping close to that $9,000 mega goal. Completely blew past his initial goal, and that is absolutely because Jason is going out there and beating feet and still pushing and still hustling for this. Go check out Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, his own self-published comic. 
These guys are longtime fans of us, supporters of us. So, of course, we're going to pass things along to you for them as well. The links to get both of those are in the show notes here. You can go check out our friend Dave at Cave People Band, uh, who did his own self-published comic with artist Rose Sovia uh, at KeeperComic.BigCartel.com. Um, I know he's going to just use the money to buy new tattoos, but again, they're nice tattoos, so it's okay. And that's what he'll be known for. Right. That's what he wants to be known for. Um, And if you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store. Comics on the Green. Check them out. I have Dave and the crew's Facebook linked up here. That's when you can find out when the books have arrived, if the books are going to be late, what's new and coming in for you to pre-order, what those pre-order cutoff dates are. Uh, and anytime Dave gets like a funky collection in, uh, you could see him thumbing through people that just like, yeah, I'm going to drop off a whole bunch of silver age key issues. Uh, like, I don't know, whatever you could do with them, I guess. Right. (laughs) Right. And like, oh, there's like a post like that, like once every six weeks. And it's like, oh, here's, here's Hulk number one. Here's X-Men number one. Uh, you know, I just had them in my basement. I don't know what I was doing. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you could sign up for the mail order subscription service, get stuff mailed to you, uh, weekly, bi-weekly or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch from our good friend, Becky. You can go check out her process, her prints, her commissions over at her social media, which is linked up here in the show notes as well. Now let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with the book we were looking forward to most, Peacemaker Tries Hard, number four, by the aforementioned Kyle Starks, and drawn by uh, Steve Pugh. Um, You know, uh, the Red Bee and uh, Peacemaker are out looking to figure out where they can find the brain and Mijur Mala. Um, So they go to the one lead they have, which is General Mortis, eating in his favorite diner, and we proceed to hit Every old person eating in a in a restaurant stereotype, and I absolutely love it. Throw in some, you know, uh, uncomfortable threats <laughs> that may happen if uh, General Morris doesn't give up, like where uh, they are. And he's like, "Well, I can put you on the right track." So obviously, now Peacemaker calls the only person he can think of for help. And that's Amanda Waller, um, and tells him that. His precious Bruce Wayne is, you know, been captured. She's gonna put out all the, pull out all the stops. Um, so maybe she finds out what uh, Bruce Wayne actually is. Um, so the Red Bee's like, well, I could get some help, and he goes and gets his World War II friend, who may or may not be black or kid. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> right? I love the bit with that. They fly down to the to the Ray Amazon rainforest and then they are confronted by it's not Dr. Doom, but it's in Dr. Doom's level. One of the greatest villains ever created. Um, and they proceed to, you know, have their tussle. Meanwhile, every terrible thing in the Amazon is out to kill them. And Red B may be having flashbacks to the greatest thing that ever appeared in world war two comics ever. Um, I'm, you know, doing a lot of, you know, just dancing around this. If you like the Peacemaker show, read this book. 
it may be actually better than the Peacemaker show. I'm having a blast. Uh, Kyle Starks and Steve Hugh should be elected emperors for life to writing and drawing Peacemaker here forthwith till the end of time. Yeah, so Todd covered a bunch of things and... Um, you know, lately I've been trying to take notes on stuff because there's stuff that I want to cover. I have so many notes on this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, you mentioned about the old folks at the restaurant thing. The restaurant's name was McShoney's. Right. Um, and I know uh, there's a bit in there, and again, we're far enough removed from what you had said earlier. There's a bit in there in regards to a napkin dispenser. Mm-hmm. Um, and with it being Sh- McShoney's. I'm just happy that it wasn't Sharpies. Okay. Um, you mentioned about uh, Johnny, the Black Orchid. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, a lot of his um, memories of the war and so forth, right? <laughs> yeah, that one shot of him re- being recruited. Fantastic. Yes. Um, now, I okay, so we learn that the Red Bee's, Bee's name is Michael. Right. We get uh, introduced to some of Michael's training regimen that he goes through. Yep. Um, And you didn't say the name of the villain in this issue, did you? No, I didn't. Did you do that on purpose? Uh, No, why? Okay. So, again, this is a 17 and up book. And this is uh, an all-ages show. Uh, (laughs) But this is not a newly created character. This is somebody that was kind of in the reject file around DC for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the DC Comics villain Snowflame, who um, gets more powerful the more he becomes one with Spectrox. Yep. Yes. And he's working for uh, Mala and the Brain, and he thought they were going to be doing a much more Heidi thing. Uh, instead, they're 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 shipping bootleg sneakers and trading cards. Yep, and it's just like everything about this book. It's just like hit after hit after gag after gag, and I'm just like this is like the best book I've read in 2023, and we still got two more issues to go, and I don't want those two issues to come out. I want this book. I want 200 issues of this to come out. Right? I told you, elected emperor for life to yes. make a peacemaker. Now, last week you had tiptoed around something, and I tiptoed around it as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And who is going to be making an appearance in this book? Now, it's on the cover of this issue, if you buy the main cover, right? Right. But it's one of those things of like, eh, if you know, you know, there's a very good chance you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Do we say what it is? It's on the cover. It's one of the greatest World War Two, uh, you know, uh, mechanical things. It's the War Wheel, Joe. Yes, I, I'm the- a sucker for the War Wheel. <laughs> it's no big wheel from Spider Man, well, um, but I would say it's a near, it's a close second. Big uh, wheel because- done right. Yeah, this. Well, again, depending on who's doing it, you know. Right. So, uh, obviously, on the cover, it looks as though Peacemaker... War Wheel does not appear in this issue, and it should be, like, a little footnote on the cover that says War Wheel does not appear in this issue. Um, But it certainly looks like uh, Peacemaker and Red Bee are running from 
the war wheel. I think by the end of the uh, series, they're going to be friends with the war wheel. How about that? I think uh, Red Bee's going to get closure with the war wheel. That's where I'm going. Gotcha. Gotcha. Closure. Yes. Yep. Uh, so this is like this is like the most fun book, right? Um, you know, when Todd mentioned, is this better than the Peacemaker TV show? I got to go back and watch the Peacemaker TV show again. But you can get away with so much more in a comic book than you can uh, on a TV show because the only budget in the comic book is like a pen and paper and your imagination. Pretty much. Though, if we get the war wheel in season two of uh, Peacemaker, then all things are right in the world. Right. (laughs) And I want the war wheel as a practical effect. I don't want no CGI war wheel. Oh my god, I want stop motion war wheel. (laughs) Like Ray Harryhausen. (laughs) I want want a forced perspective matte painting the whole deal, right? Yep. Every 80s effect that we loved, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that would be so great. Uh, so the other book that we both read from this past week was Justice Society of America number five, written by Jeff John with art by Mikkel Janine. Uh, so this is the end of, well, at least it feels like it's the end of the first arc of the story, right? And if I remember correctly, is this now officially or unofficially a 10-issue miniseries or a 12-issue miniseries? Joe, I have no idea anymore. Okay. So it's definitely a book that's late, but it's pretty much on a bi-monthly schedule. And I definitely think that hurts the book. Yeah. Right? Um, I also think that it could possibly hurt other books. Because there's something that happens at the end of this issue that ties directly into the last issue of the Stargirl miniseries. Right. And I think the Stargirl miniseries came out like two months ago, three months ago it ended. Yep. Okay. And if um, they came out the same week, that would have been a nice punch or within the same month, you get you know what I mean? With yeah, yeah. You know, like Stargirl comes out one week and this comes out the week after. They both come out the same week. Yeah, right. And then in October, there's a bunch of those one-shots that are coming out for, like, your main three uh, JSA folks. It's the Jay Garrick, it's the Alan Scott, it's the Wesley Dodd one-shots, right? Mm-hmm. So, this is a good book, okay? Let's say it at that. Um, it's, hurting the, it's hurting by the delays, but I can't believe I would be saying this, but I'm about to say it. Maybe it's time for Jeff Johns to stop writing comic books. Oh, my goodness. Um, Hot take. He does a lot of other stuff in the DC Warner umbrella. And I don't think he's telling anything new with these characters, right? Obviously, he's gotten us in the door with these characters. Um, You know, when he started writing these books in, what, 1999, I think, when he was the co-writer with David Goyer. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm trying to remember if he was actually writing solo on Stars and Stripes, but something like that. Yeah, so he's trying a lot of concepts, and by this point, by the end of this issue, I feel it's just like, in this issue, we get every JSA ever, right? 
mm-hmm. because they're taking on Perdagaton, and of course JSA stuff is going to go through time. Um, I I thought there was the inspired bit with like the younger JSA members dealing with the younger Perdagaton. Yeah, but even still, they they specifically have those younger members of the JSA set up to line up with the JSA people that were on the Stargirl TV show. And the Stargirl TV show ended way long time ago. Mm -hmm. So if Jeff John's lateness, and again, maybe it was Mikkel Janine's lateness too, right? Right. But Jeff John's lateness on this book is affecting whatever story overarching that you're trying to tell with this corner of the DC universe. And if Jeff Johns is delaying things, maybe it's time like for somebody else to take over these characters permanently. And those three one shots that are coming out um, are done by different non Jeff Johns creative teams. And it'll be interesting to see if those get pushed back further than they already have, because they were actually supposed to come out this month. Initially, they never got solicited. They got resolicited for October in the hopes that this series will be done by October. And I don't think it's going to be done. Um, it's not going to be done. First of all, I just looked something up. Uh, Jaya Justice Society is going to be a 12-issue series. 12, okay. 12. So according to the website that I use, like it, ha- it usually has how many issues it's going to be. Um, I just want to say that I feel like that, like it's going to be in two trades. I feel like we had the... The, you know, the the end of the Degaton per Degaton story, but then they leave a little bit more. So we're going to have our downtime issue next month, and that'll be the first half of the trade. Um, I will, you know, give Jeff Johns some benefit of the doubt because he got his Stargirl mini out on time. So maybe it is Janine that is doing this. Like, But he does have a track record of being late with uh, Doomsday Clock. So... You know, I don't know where to lay the blame. Uh, on that being said, him being done with writing, I'm kind of uh, spe- writing comics. Like, he can go do, because I thought he was really good with all his image stuff. With, I can't think of the book, there was G.I. Uh, uh, Geiger and Junkyard Joe. Yeah, I love both of those. Yes. Those were really good. But I feel, especially reading this, like especially with that magical snow globe that's going on, and 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 it, how it's, it pertains to Batman and Batman's father from Flashpoint, I'm like, was all this in that last Flashpoint mini? Because I don't remember any of this, and I feel like he's too beholden to the stories that come before. And if you haven't read those stories, it makes his stories harder. I don't know. Maybe just get away from everything that he's done, like he like Flash or Justice Society, and like pick a new thing, and maybe that would be fresh. But I'm kind of with you on the things he's he's running over the same old ground with all the stuff that he does now. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm with you, but I'm gonna read all twelve issues. So. Right, I'm gonna read them too, and that's the thing that I'm kicking myself on because I, I really like his stuff. I'm a Jeff Johns fan. You know, I, I got on board with, you know, we talked before the JSA stuff, the Stars and Stripes stuff, the Flash stuff, the Green Lantern stuff. And, you know, more recent, you know, work has been, and we always talked before, once he got to like three books and then that fourth book was added, either something was going to get dropped or something was going to be late, but he's doing a lot more stuff, not yeah. comic book stuff yeah. these days. Yeah. 
that's the problem, I think. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. Still a fan. Hopefully, you know, they can get things back on track so it doesn't foul up those one shots. And whatever those one shots come October are supposed to be leading to, you know. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with five correct guesses. Yes. And it's Todd's turn to pick first. And I'm looking over your list. And is the book you're looking forward to most? Uh, I'm going to go with Night Terrors number three. It is Night Terrors number three. And I think that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. It is not. What? It is the Enfield Gang Massacre number one. So that's on me. I should have asked. I usually, when there's something weird like that that shows up, uh, I typically ask. I went for a shot in the dark and you button hooked me. Yep. What is this book? It is by the creative team who, who did Texas Blood. Um, and this is set in that world, but it's a, like, because the book is set in 1970, whatever. Uh, I'm not sure the exact date, but this takes place a hundred years before, and there's some sort of Western heist that goes wrong, and it's a Western comic, and I just, it's been really pushed in my timeline, so I kind of really want to read it, and I, there's not many Western books out there. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I was kind of like... Uh, you know, that this is the one that goes. It basically says it's a new miniseries set 150 years in the past. Gunslinging action meets dark frontier drama in this original Western theory th thriller as Montgomery Enfield and his gang of outlaws find themselves in the crosshairs of an aging Texas Ranger and, and a newborn country that's hungry for law, Joe. And I'm like, that's right up my alley. And again, you said it's from the guys who did the um, Texas Bloods ongoing. Yeah, yeah. Chris uh, Condone and Jacob Phillips. And uh, Jacob Phillips has done a lot of stuff. I think he's related to who's the, the Phillips from uh, all the Ed Brubaker. Is it Sean Phillips? It is Sean Phillips. I believe yes. uh, Jacob Phillips might be his son. Cool. Interesting. I'll uh, have to. Look into that. How about that? No problem. I just, you know, I'm glad I could blindside you one time this year. Yeah, yeah. Listen. Um. So hey, um, we're gonna we're gonna do Sandman for last, right? Okay. Um. So let's. Uh, hey, Todd, we had an art attack this week, right? Yes, we did. Let me bring it up because I had my Sandman stuff up. Sorry. No problem. Um, from Mang Matt, a.k.a. The Mad Basis, since Longbox Heroes are such fans of Peacemaker Tries Hard, I had to post this Annie the Kitty piece that came with my books from Comics on the Green for Todd uh, Todd's Art Attack with hashtag Becky Tries Harder. And it's a picture of little cute Bruce Wayne as a missing poster. And it says, 
last seen eating beanie weenies called Peacemaker at this number. Joe, do you know? And she, uh, Becky ended up uh, retweeting it, or I'm reposting it. I'm sorry, because it's not called that anymore. Come on. Now. And the phone number spells 555 doggone. That's pretty cute. That's that, I like that, that. That's something else. Uh, but yes, that's that's good her, stuff. That's inspired stuff. I, I got a kick out of that. Yeah, go give her an add a girl when you see her for the doggone. That's right. And don't check the receipt. Yes, that is true. Uh, so uh, while you're checking out the other stuff that we do, of course, um, plugs will be later because I got one other bit to do at the end. Um, hey, um, while you're over at longboxyears.com checking out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, you can go check out the Todd and Joe Have Issues for 2023, which is our full Neil Gaiman Sandman read-through. Now, it's not just the 75 issues, of course, as you've seen. We've gotten some miniseries stuff. We've gotten some short stories like we have this week. Uh, and we are going to have a lot more as we are about to begin the home stretch of the uh, the final chapter of all this. Yep. And that is uh, the kindly ones. Uh, we're reading. Uh, what are we reading here? Issues. 57 50, and 58. Right. 57, 58. Uh, but we do have the Vertigo Jam, which. Uh, the Vertigo Jam short story, which just happens to be reprinted in the beginning of most of the ways that The Kindly Ones is published. So yep. uh, go ahead, if you will. Um, I'll Thanks. chime in where I need to chime in. Yep. Neil Gaiman, art by Kevin Nolan. It starts out, guys, uh, guys having this dream with these faceless women who, you know, are near wolves, have wolves near them, and they're like eating his flesh and his head. They're he's pushing away, and his hand, their hands are going through their heads. Grizzly de- depiction. Kevin Nolan's art, very nice. But uh, he ends up going back to sleep, and he runs smack dab into the dreaming. Ends up running into Lucian, the librarian, um, and he kind of explains what his duties are. Um, and he's like, okay, you must be who I'm waiting for and proceeds to give this, this dreamer the, the, the tour of the dreaming. And in that they run into Mervyn Pumpkinhead. I'm going to give it the, the, the short go because everybody basically gives a short who, a who's who of who they are. So Mervyn, um, the only one that really jumps out at me is, uh, Nuala. Nuala talks about like how she got there. And there's a beautiful artwork of her saying, like, and now, you know, I was a gift and I just polish all the stuff in, in the, the Lord's throne room. And uh, no, I'm not homesick. I don't miss fairy at all. I really don't. And the Kevin Nolan's art of her kind of breaking down, biting her lip, like wanting to cry, is the thing that sticks out to me the most from this and the beautiful like shot of the throne room with the stained glass windows that have nothing but like around them. Very cool shot. Um, we meet Raven, you know, Matthew, the Raven, and he talks about where he lives. We meet, uh, Abel and he talks about him and his brother, obviously Kate's going to kill him. Um, and in the end, uh, Lucian's like, Oh, here's, you know, Morpheus. Now I'm, here's the person you, you wanted me to give the tour. And he's like, this isn't the person I want. You know, like, do you, does this look like the person? He's like, oops. 
And that's when there's a cool shot of Kevin Nolan's dream, like talking. He's like, ah, no harm. Everybody comes here eventually. You just got the the executive tour kind of a thing. Uh, do you want to see more? Like, I can answer like a billion questions and show you uh, wondrous things. But as this is happening, the guy starts hearing like a buzzing in the distance and it's his alarm clock going off and it wakes him up. And he he's thinking to himself, like, I didn't want to wake up. I wanted to stay and dream because there's this person who can like answer everything that I could ever think of. Uh, what does it matter? It was just a stupid dream, after, you know, in the end, which is funny because like he could have had the most magical uh, a dream ever. But basically, like you said, this story is reprinted in the beginning of the comedy ones because as far as I'm concerned, I never want to say there's a throwaway story for Sandman, but this is just a, Hey, remember all these people, these several people are going to be key in the next storyline and they will either have something explained about them or they will move the plot along by doing something. And you really need to know who these people are. And maybe they haven't been in the book a lot lately, so here you go. And that's kind of what the way I look at this story. But even so much so, and I like, so Kevin Nolan's art in this is beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, that opening scene where the guy is having the dream of, like, the faceless women with wolves riding them. Um, obviously, one artist's depiction is different than another's, but they very much look and feel like the Furies that got Orpheus. They're all the feeling, but they were just dirty people who had, like, full faces and everything. Mm-hmm. They were just witches who, like, you know, didn't wear clothes and, like, were like had mud caked on them. So I don't see it as kind of the same thing. Yeah. Now, the other thing that you mentioned here, as we're introduced to some of the folks that are in and around the Dreaming, in this short story, they are introduced to us for the most part in the way that we are going to re-meet them again as the kindly one begins. So it's almost as though that little story was getting you ready for kindly ones, whether you were a new reader or not. Yep. It was prime in the pump. Yeah. So anything else on the vertical? No, that's all I got there. Yep. I will say if you enjoy some of the other stuff, Check out Vertigo Jam just for like there's a, you know, Garth Ennis Hellblazer story, that kind of stuff. So anyway, on to Sandman 57, the beginning of the Kindly Ones with art by Mark Hempel. And you know who the writer is at this point. Um, So it starts out with the Fates, which are, you know, the three witches in one of their forms. And they're basically doing the bit that they do from the old, uh, you know, mythology that they create life. They're. You know, you have a thread, you weave a thread, you cut a thread. Born, you know, life, death. And they end up, like, discussing their, their, you know, their, their bits in the play, if you will. And how, you know, no matter what they do, people never like it. The only part that, I, that I'll touch on that I really like is when she says, the old lady says, doesn't matter what we do, they're always complaining. They don't like the fit. Too loose, too tight, too different, too much like someone else. It's never what they want. And if we do give them what they want, they like it less than ever. I, not, I never thought it would be like this. Why can't it be like the one I had before? I don't know why we bother. I like the, the description because the grass is always greener. Uh, I like that. So they're like, oh, you know, we're, we're, you know, onto this, this life. And the whole thing is somebody's life. And in the end, they're like, oh, this person has to go. 
And they're like, oh, you're too soft kind of a deal. And it basically shows you how they're function as the fates, as you will, as you get. Um, so now we cut to Lyda and Carla, who's uh, Lyda's uh, babysitter. And they're with little Daniel and how Daniel, you know, is still mischievous. And he gets sand and everything. And uh, that's kind of cool. And how Lyda hasn't been out of the house. So they go out for ice cream to discuss Lyda's new possibility of you know getting a job and finally being out of the house and they meet this old guy who you know kind of tries to give daniel a flower and she kind of goes nuts like stay away from my son because she's very paranoid about daniel maybe morpheus has something to do with this saying that he'll be back you know months and months ago so she's all like very protective of him um, they, they discuss- she she tells us that what she hasn't left the house in what three years we later find out which is about the time ish that the last meeting that morpheus comes and says that's daniel you know yeah keep keep him safe because i'll be back and she's like no no you won't he's mine and that's the one thing that you kind of get to realize that sets sandman apart from so many other comic books because obviously in most comic books you're going to get like a let's say a six issue six issue story arc that comes out over the course of six months, but those six issues are like a day or a weekend or a week in that character's life. Mm-hmm. Time is moving in the real world in the Sandman book as the issues are coming out, which was a way that they did a lot in Vertigo. If you if you read. Uh, Hellblazer, right? John had a birthday, like almost like, or at least every. I know he aged like a decade in that because that went three hundred issues, and right. he turned thirty, forty, and fifty in that comic, and that was the, one of the things that I really liked about Vertigo because they could get away with it. You know what I mean? Yes. But uh, so now we cut to the dreaming, and it's Matthew going to. Oh wait, we have I'm to. Sorry. We have to go. So. Um, uh, yes, yes, I jumped. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. I, I was throwing you off there. Uh, so Light is talking um, about the interview that's coming up. She's still apprehensive about it. And uh, what's the friend's name again? I apologize. Carla. So Carla says, um, you know, if anything happened to him, if, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I know, if anything happened to, uh, to Daniel, uh, you'd just die. And then you have that panel. The bottom page, close-up of Lyda's face. I wouldn't die, Carla. If anyone hurt Daniel, I'd kill them. And boy, is that an ominous panel. Um, And I'm going to say it here, um, because we'll get to it as Kindly One goes on. Kindly Ones has some of, like Brief Lives, has some of those end beats at an issue that have stuck with me for years and immediately give me goosebumps or put my heart in my throat, even when I didn't know what they meant and more when I do know what they mean. (laughs) Fantastic. So, uh, like I said, we're back in the dreaming, and it's Matthew going to uh, the palace and he's talking to like the the guards of the door, the Griffin, the Dragon, uh, the Pegasus, kind of a deal. And he starts sniffing around about uh, ravens, and like, because he's basically like, "Were you always here? Was this?" And they kind of give him like, well, "There was no none of us in the real world, so we've always been here. We're the masters." People. He's like, "Oh, okay." And then he goes to see Mervyn Pumpkinhead. Mervyn Pumpkinhead once again, always kind of. 
you know, bagging on the boss. And he asked him about the Ravens, and he's like, yeah, I, I remember them, you know, because I got to clean up after them. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what happens to them. So uh, Matthew runs into Nuala, who, like you said, is doing the exact thing that she was doing in the Vertigo Jam, and she's cleaning. Um, and he's like, uh, you clean all this stuff. Does he make you do it? Nope. No, Lord Morpheus has never asked anything of me. And he's like, then why do you do it? And once again, like the sadness that reverberates back to that vertigo jam, I, I have to do something. Um, so I'm starting to feel real bad for Noir. Um, So then he goes to see Lucian and he like asks about books on Ravens and uh, he, he starts like asking him some questions and he basically says, well, what about you? Like, uh, did you... Do you remember anything like where you're from? And he's like, uh, I can remember every book in this, but uh, but I, I and my job, but other things I forget. Like I don't know, you know. Basically, saying he doesn't know much about himself. So he's like, "Where's the boss?" He's like, uh, "Making nightmares." So then he goes down. He ends up talking to him. We find out that Morpheus is rebuilding. He's going to make a better one, Corinthian. And like Matthew, we're asking the same questions. <laughs> like, why? He's like, because when dream, you know, night, this nightmare went wrong, and sometimes you have to go back to basics. It's not, I, it's not often I go back to my beginning and do what I do, but uh, I'm gonna kind of uh, rebuild them. And he's basically like, aren't you worried? He's like, no, he's he's gonna be better, kind of a deal. And uh, Matthew's asking, like, well, listen, when we went on the trip with your sister in the car. Um, she said there were other ravens. He's like, yep, there have been many. He's like, and one of them went back to being a man. Is that possible? He's like, yeah, one did thought what he wanted was what he wanted, but it, it didn't happen. He's like, so what happens to us after, you know, when we go away? Cause if I'm the 12th or whatever, and he's like, ah, he's like, cause I asked Eve and she wouldn't tell me. And he's like, and that's as it should be kind of the deal. He's like, now go when I have need of you, I'll call you. And he's like, but and he, you know, gets him out of there. He goes back to the cave with, uh, with Eve. Um, and now we see Lyda going to Lux, um, to, to, to interview her about the job. And I can't think of the, the woman's name, but she's the one with the half face from, uh, from Lucifer's helper. She's, yes. there. she's there. Like, uh, you know, she doesn't talk obviously. And Lyda meets Eric, the guy who's offering the job, who basically, she believes is just interested in her for a relationship, if you will. And he gives her, gives her the, the spiel for the job, write in the number, whatever you want and I'll pay. Ya. And she's like, Oh, do I have to sign in blood and kind of like give up my soul? Is this a devil's thing? And he's like, no, no. Um, and gives, you know, the rundown, we get her history, how she was a superhero and everything and how things don't work out with her husband. The timeline with her husband doesn't work well, that she got pregnant after he was dead and everything. Well, they got married after he died. It was like, he died, then they got married, then they had a kid. Yep, and you were pregnant for a long time. Um, So then, like, now we find out, because I don't think it was ever mentioned before. It might have been in one of the other books. But we find out that the piano player at Lux is Lucifer. Um. Because this guy in a checker coat goes up and he asks him to play uh, Memories for his uh, wife because it's their, I don't know if it's his wife or. It was her birthday. It was the wife's birthday. Birthday for a special occasion. He's like, nope. He's like, how about playing that and happy birthday to Vonda? I'll give you that. He's like, nope. 
He goes, but I will play you a song that, uh, you know, ha- that'll be uh, for you, but it won't be the, the good evening that you think it will. And he ends up singing, uh, in my my head, it's the version of Don Henley, uh, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Um, and the lines are important, like, uh, sit down, you'll be pulled down by the lapels of your checkered jacket. And that's what the guy's wearing. So it's like an ominous, creepy thing. Well, again, it's uh, to say that it's ominous, it's on the nose. And again, we, we do our best to try to avoid just like reading things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lucifer says, I will not play memory. Again, the song's called Memories. I will not play memory. And I cannot be bothered to lie. Vonda's birthday will be far from happy. Yep. And then says, however, I will play something appropriate enough, considering how the evening will end for both of you. And again, mm. ominous. As soon as the guy says, Vonda's birthday will be far from happy. I'm like, hey, Vonda, we're getting out of here. We're going. Something's up. I don't like the cut of this guy's jib. We're out of here. Oh, sit down, sit down. You're rocking the boat. <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. Um. So, uh... Basically, Lyda j- just has this moment with er- with Eric, and she just kind of like, kind of f- something's wrong. Like they don't even just, she just drops her drink and says, "There's something wrong. Take me home." He goes, call, "Like before you, we go running home, call, and if something's wrong, I'll drive you personally." So she calls, and she's like, "There's no answer. Drive me home now," and she's just a, a wreck, which I equate. Um, when, when Tim Drake was asking Batman to get him home faster in identity crisis, um, that's what I feel about this scene that it might've been ticked a little bit from that. And she ends up running upstairs. She's trying to get the key in the door. Can't, um, she gets in and she's like, Eric, he's gone. Daniel's gone. They took my baby and the shot of her looking in the door with the place kind of looks like a little ransack there to be continued. They took my baby. Not a good line to end an issue on, Joe. No. And, you know, obviously there's a bit in the story. There's nothing that prompts it. It's just all of a sudden Lyda has a feeling Mm -hmm. that something's wrong and they immediately need to get out of there. And they do. Well, she's right. And she's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Okay. On to issue 58. On to issue 58. So it begins in the apartment. Carla's calling the cops again because Lyda, just in the first couple panels, you could tell, has snapped. She has that, like, look kind of a deal, like, lost. And I get it. You know, lost your child. And while that, the news is going on. Joe, do you remember that guy in the checkered coat that we were just talking about with uh, 30 seconds ago? Yes. Um, on the news, it's going on that uh, at her birthday, they had a terrible thing. He fell out of the boat and he drowned. And the last thing he told him, she told him was, I told him to sit down um, because he's rocking the boat, Joe. It didn't go well. Like Lucifer had, uh, you know, had his premonition. Just, um, as the, just as the former devil had predicted. Yep. So, uh, basically Carla's like, how long does it take for cops to get here? She's on the phone. And then there's a knock at the door. Um, and it's the police. It's these two like policemen. They start asking her like all sorts of questions, asking her about the babysitter, asking about, you know, everything like, do I, do do you leave him alone? All the things a cop, um, should ask. 
And then, you know, I came home and the door was locked. And the one guy's like, ma'am, I thought you said the doors were locked. These look like they're destroyed, like someone hit it with a truck. And she's like, they were stuck. So I pushed. Obviously, she's a superhero. So she bent the locks. And the lock bends are like a good, like, I like the art on that. It's subtle. It's not like a, the door exploded. Um, so, like, all right, we're going to go talk to, to your, your babysitter. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I helped. She's in shock. Uh, they did she force the door? He's like, yeah, she's a kind of, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, kind of strong. Um, so they give her the card and said, please don't bother us about questions. Like, it'll be better if, you know, we contact you. Um, take care of your friend. So she's like, oh, I'll try. Cut to the dreaming. Uh, and uh, Clericon, uh, the fairy, is riding up to uh, the the gates and asked to to be in the the realm. They're like, "Who are you?" He says, I'm "Here to see my sister." They're like, "Okay, uh, you can go in." And as they always say to anybody who comes, "Stay to the path, and it will take you to your sister." He goes in, strays from the path, looks in the mirror, sees something white that turns into a cat, and then proceeds to have a stag fall out of his mouth and he's like left bloody on the floor like it runs at him and then disappears and that's when Nuala shows up and she's like I can't believe you strayed from the path I can't believe uh, that you released your nemesis the stag how could you and he basically says like you know he never really uh, thinks about it um, and she's lucky that you I found you um, and he's like, I didn't want to do it. It was just trickling out of my throat. Uh, he's like, oh, by the way, you're late. He's like, you said you'd be here uh, three years ago. And like in the story we've seen, he kind of always blows it off. Um, and he basically says, I'm here. You know, I'm kind of undercover for the queen. Uh, I basically, he gives the story of the world's end. And he says, I saw some, but I don't want to talk about it. He goes, and it's kind of. You know, she says, the queen says, it's time for you to come home. And he gives her all the things, how great it'll be. And then I like, he says, even you, and you can even be beautiful, beautiful again. And like, that makes Nuala sad because, you know, just the statement is just so soul crushing. Um, and uh, he's like, imagine all the fun that we'll have. And she's like, you know, like, he's just not going to gonna let me go like you know what are we gonna do and he's like oh come on we'll, we'll ask him we'll say the queen liked it and he they're old friends and this is the first time someone says it in like implies it uh and they've been more than friends if you listen you know if you believe the rumors so we'll just go um and ask him so while that's going on we're back with lida and carla Car, uh, light of so, screen. Go ahead. I, I, just, I, I, I need to interrupt you only because. So you know, obviously, Colverkin shows up and he's very boastful. He's very careless, and he's he doesn't know how things work in the dreaming, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, obviously, he creates his own nemesis, which is going to come up a little bit later on when they do have their interaction with Morpheus a little bit later on, of course. Um, but when he's like, "Oh, well, we'll just go and." Ask Morpheus if you can go home, right? Mm -hmm. Because in his mind, it's that simple. But Nuala's been here for three years. And she knows it ain't that simple, right? So I, I think a lot of these scenes here is her nervousness and fear in regards to going and directly confronting Morpheus. Not that Morpheus is a bad person 
or a, an evil person, but he's not somebody who deals with confrontation. I, I agree, but I think there's a small part of her that doesn't want to leave too. And of course, like, and, and you know, we'll we'll get to that as well. That she's here. She did not come here of her own wishes, and she was kind of given away against her will to be here. But now she doesn't have anything. She doesn't know what life is without this, even though it's only been three years. Yep, and living without glamour, and you know what I mean. Yes. So, I, I just a cool scene. Um, so now we cut to, to Carla and she hears light a scream because she was having a nightmare and she had a dream that, you know, that in her house there was in her basement that there was witches. And I like that she just knows that they're witches, right? Without even going down. It's like, that's how dreams work. And uh, he's like, I didn't know there was a downstairs here. And she's like, there's a downstairs in everybody. That's where we live, which is a creepy line. But uh, light starts asking all these questions and right off the bat. They're like, wow. You blew through your three questions. As we've seen, that's how it works, which they could have helped her if she had asked the right questions, but not even. And then they even let her have a, a, a few more questions. Um, and she asked one, like the oldest one. She's like, and just like, what about you? How old are you? And uh, this is how old I'm going to say how old I am when anybody asks me. I'm a little older than my teeth and exactly as old as my tongue. <laughs> so that's from here on out. Um, so they said, uh, they basically say, uh, boy, you know, you sh we, we could have helped you, but now they're going to put your little boy, uh, in the fire. And she's like, what? He's like, well, that's another question. We gave you three and extra, no more. Um, and that's when she kind of wakes up, uh, screaming. Um, and she's like, Carl's like, it's just a dream. Uh, and she's like, I don't trust dreams. She's like, and dreams lie. Um, she goes, but the, the thing that scared me the most is that they said that they would come and see me again. And they said, Daniel was on fire and tell you the truth. I don't know which scares me worse. Um, ugh, ugh, Joe. <laughs> uh, so now back to the dreaming. Uh, and I, I always say, if I got his name, my clerkon is like, let's go. We'll find him asking around. She's like, let it go. It's like, Oh, here's his throne room. And just starts banging on the door, which seems like the right way to get a hold of uh, Lord Morpheus. It's not. Remember before when I mentioned Chlorican uh, or however you pronounce his name, the, the elder fairy, the male fairy here, mm -hmm. doesn't know how things work in the dreaming? Yeah. If, if he is, they are really painting that picture in this one issue. Yep. So he, he shockingly enough, he opens the door and there's that cool scene with the throne and then Morpheus appears on it and uh, they end up, you know, talking. He's like, I'm here for my sister. Your sister has been, a, you know, has served me well. Um, and he's like, yeah, you said she had a good heart. He's like, yep. Uh, I have a fond fondness for, you know, entertain me. And, um, and then he goes, ah, and I also noticed that you wandered off the path and you let the, your nemesis out. And he's like, ah, that's right. Could you help me with that? He's like, that's not my deal. That's your deal. And I probably couldn't help you with it. And it's probably nowhere near here by now. Um, what is this favor you want from me? He says, ah, I would like uh, Nuala uh, to come home. And she's like, well, what do you say about this? She's like, well, I'm, I'm a gift to you. I'm your wish. 
your wish is what my wish is. He's like, what does the queen say? And he's like, ah, he starts doing the the, 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 the clerican thing. He's like, you try my patience. This is when he's had enough. But I do think old Morpheus wouldn't have let it go on this long. And the fact that he has a slight fondness for Nuala, and she says the queen would like her. He's like, okay. Um, and he's like talking to her, and he's like, okay, you know what? He thinks about it. You can go. Is there anything you wish to take with it? Well, and she, she you, you get the bit with Nuala, okay, mm-hmm. where uh, Clerican lays the whole thing out, mm-hmm. and Morpheus is like, okay, well, what does Nuala have to say about all this? And she says, you've been very kind for the last three years. I am yours. What you wish is also what I wish. Yep. So she says, basically, you know what? You can go. And like I said, she's like, what? And she looks crestfallen. And he's like, is there anything you want to take? No, blah, blah, blah. I thank you. And, uh, you know, for the last three years, give me your pendant. She's like, what? He's like, your pendant here. And he basically touches and it lights up. And he says, there. For your service, a gift. If in need, hold the stone with both hands and call me. I will come to you. You may have one boon. And she's like, um, oh. And he's like, what? You think you deserve more than that? He's like, no, thanks. Very kind. And he's like, this is over, Adi's. And uh, uh, just kind of like you can go. And he's like, oh, wasn't that great? The unexpected. Uh, we can go. And she's like what what did he say about the pen he's like nothing he just touched it so she doesn't tell him like everything he says can we go and she's like you're crying and she's like he didn't fight for me he didn't care if i stayed or went and he's like exactly i cannot tell you how relieved i am now let's go home and as much as we say that she was forlorn and, and homesick she's not happy about being you know released from morpheus it just like all that. It's like, and that was a that was your goodbye. See you. And there, I I don't want to give up the ghost here, but I have many feelings about why Morpheus did it. So it definitely comes across that Nuala thought her relationship with Morpheus was very different than what Morpheus thought his relationship with her was. Mm-hmm. Very different. Um, and. It was this part, as I'm rereading this, because it's been a while since I've, re- I've read this. You know, I read this for the first time 30 years ago. I've probably read Kindly Ones more than any other, like, outside of the first two trades, um, Preludes and Nocturnes and um, Doll's House. Outside of those two, Kindly Ones is probably the one that I've read the most out of anything. I just want to slide this in there. Probably the one I've read the least out of okay. all of them. And just, when I say the most, I've read it from beginning to end, like maybe like five times. I, I'm just saying because yeah. I read the early ones over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So each time I read kindly ones, I've already read the earlier ones as many times. So it, the numbers go up exponentially. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But right. Because, because, you know, as we've talked about a, a week or two ago, I'm now getting this in single issues. So I'm reading this serialized as it's coming out monthly. And I remember toward the end, it starts to get a little late, too. But right. let's, not, let's not go there. Um, but it's maybe been about 10 or 12 years since I've read this. Mm-hmm. And all the information's in there. And, like, we read the first issue of Kindly Ones, and then 
we're in the second part here and pieces are starting to fall into place and the part where Morpheus holds the necklace and gives Newall the the boon, right? Mm-hmm. It all just came flooding back to me. Oh my I, god, yes. I, I remember everything that's going to happen in this story. Like, the pieces were there, and I'm like, I think this is going to happen, I think this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it was that moment, and I'm like, this is the moment. This yep. is the moment in the story, and this is the moment for me as a reader where it all just came back. And I'm like, I am filled with so much dread of what comes next. I'm with you. I'm with you. Because Kindly Ones is the densest, not just because it's 13 issues. This is so jam-packed with, you know, uh, uh, what what do I want to say? Like, you know, like doing a lot of storylines that come to a head. And I don't mean to uh, jump back an issue. But I'm going to for one second because um, when they're talking about the the issue we did past and the fates um, are doing the talking about life. And I wish I did this when we talked the last issue, but they're doing the person's life and they're like, he he could be this. They could be that, you know, and then they get to like when they have to snip the yarn and it's like, you know, that one's gone on long enough. And she's like, oh, do you really think so? I really like this one. I thought maybe it could be a little longer. You're too soft. Both of you, too, just too soft. All good things. All good things. Got to finish sometime. And then she clips the yarn. And literally, like, if you're not in the know, there's only maybe 15 issues of this story left. 16, 17. We're in the home stretch. Say, like, Everything in here is foreshadowing the end of this series coming. And I'm with you. And Nuala with the pendant, I still get goosebumps with the scene that you that I know you're thinking about. Yep. Just every time. And that is one of those end of the issues, heart punch, gut punch. And, and I, like I said, I don't want to give up the ghost, but so much of Kindly Ones. It's just, oh my God, this isn't long for the world, Joe. Now, I want to cast this out here. I'd be interested to see who's reading along with us for the first time, right? Because mm-hmm. I want to, I want you to tell us, maybe in the comments of this, maybe if, in the, if you're in the Discord, if you've read this before, you know, okay? Mm-hmm. Who took baby Daniel? All the clues are here. Yep. Um, whether it be the previous 57 issues or just these two issues, all the clues are here. Yep. And and it's not going to give because I'm going to be vague. Somebody else shows up along the way in this that they've hinted at. Um, I see. And I might even just say it. Maybe the person that Morpheus really liked in the last couple of storylines that we never met. Yes. Is shows up. And I want to know if anybody has any ideas who that person was, if we've ever seen them before or have not seen them. Like, what are your guesses on that last, like Morpheus love? That's not me because I, I just had not having like you know knowing this stuff and i don't remember how i saw things the first time i read it because it's been so long if that yeah. makes any sense I, for I'm sure 
I, yeah, I don't want to dwell on it, but you get what I'm saying. Last but not least, I want to mention, I love Mark Hempel's art in this. Love it. Okay. We're going to touch on Mark Hempel's art. You have any more? I'm sorry. That's No, I'm done. That's it. I love the art in this. When I first read this years ago, I disliked Mark Hempel's art. I was young, stupid, saying (laughs) that now. Uh, It's a different style than most of the artists who have come along. Yes. Reading this storyline, I am all in on Mark Hempel's art now. I couldn't couldn't imagine kindly ones done by anyone else. I I, I can't either. But do you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't at whatever, 1993-ish. This would have been late 93, early 94. Yeah. Right. I would have been, and I and I wasn't younger like you. I was in my twenties, but I was still like this was me still finding my foothold in Vertigo. So um, I was still like, oh, George Perez, and you know what I mean, Neil Adams, and like experimental art, like kind of like I've never got into it. But now, and the coloring on this, and everything, I don't want to get too much into the coloring, so I might trigger you, but uh, just it's so good, and I like Mark Hempel. Much, much more now. This is actually one of the ones where the digital coloring and the print coloring are almost exact. Right. They didn't do too, too much to change what was originally printed from these issues, you know? Right. And the cover to 58 with that blood red. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. And we only have 11 more issues to go of the Kindly Ones, Joe. Right. We only have 11 more issues of the Kindly Ones, but we still got a lot, 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 lot more to read. Yep. Um. So next time, we're going to be looking at issues 59 and 60. Uh, that's what we have coming up next. Um. Of course, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our store. You can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, you can head over to the T Public store. The 35% sale starts this Thursday and runs through the weekend. 35% off everything through there. Uh, you could also make any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, page, this page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You can use the affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything on eBay and support us at the same time. But the best way to support us, of course, would be to sign up for the Patreon. We've hit it a couple times, of course. Patreon.com slash Heroes, a dollar a month, five dollars a month. You want to give us a little bit more, you want to give us a little bit more, that's okay too. But a dollar is going to get you the two bonus shows that we do every month, which is previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. And currently the movie show for 2023 is Comic Book Oddities, where we're looking at some of the stranger, more offbeat, more off-kilter, more pre- Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. So far this year, we have done the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, the uh, David Hasselhoff Nick Fury pilot, the 1978 Doctor Strange TV movie, Swamp Thing 2, the Holly Berry Catwoman movie, uh, the Red Sonja movie starring Brigitte Nielsen and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and most recently we did Jonah Hex. Yep. And with the FF1, you even get the bonus... We talk about the documentary about making that movie. Yes, it's a, it's a, that's a two-for-one review. Mm-hmm. We talk about the Roger Corman movie and the documentary about the Roger Corman movie. Which is almost more fascinating. 
Yes. Um, you also get the full scans of the previews catalogs that we talk about in the episodes of Previewing the Past. $5 a month, it's going to get you all those things two weeks before everyone else, and it's going to get you Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else, so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yep. I got to chain that scanner to the desk again. He's yeah. been wandering around. He's been, oh, he's been lackluster lately. Uh, that was just once. Let's never let's never, never let it happen again. How about that? No, I mean the full-time guy. He's been slacking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hasn't scanned the previews in about two months. So. Well, listen. If I look in the if I look in the folder, what do we got here? January at least the next. I'm up to January. It looks like January of uh, 1994. So we're okay. Right. He, he think, can enjoy. He can enjoy the rest of his summer. Right. I think the February one has 20 whole page scant. Oh boy. Yep. Um, but like I said, even if you don't get a chance to listen to the episodes, uh, you know, the episodes do get big. They're three hours plus, um, cause there's a lot in there. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of, uh, evergreen. You can listen to them whenever you listen to them, but definitely go look through those previews catalogs. You know, the scanner is doing a hard job mm-hmm. getting those up there for prosperity's sake. I've looked on places like archive.org and things like that. A lot of these do not exist anywhere. Um, a lot of these are very expensive, these previews catalogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only way that you can get them is, of course, by signing up for the Patreon. Um, and Todd, as we were discussing here at the beginning of the show, um, teases for other things. Blue Beetle comes out next weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're not going to see it, and I was lamenting that I was going to have to take a trip uptown because I want the Blue Beetle ship popcorn bucket. Right, which Josh already has one. They're- okay. On sale now. At right. The, you could get them online. I know we were going back and forth in the Discord on that. But at the theater right here, he bought one while he was there. They had them on sale already. No. Now, see, okay. So, I was going to go buy one online. But if they're already for sale at the Cinemark, I'm going to be up that way tomorrow anyway. And I got, like, six other stops to make. So, I was just like, what's one more, right? I'll pick up my Blue Beetle, you know? I'm wondering if they'll let you go in to get it. Todd, because you, you have to, you have to take the ticket before you get to the concession counter. Uh, Todd, come on, you're gonna stop me. You, not you. But if you're gonna do that, yeah, I may have you grab me one if they have two. <laughs> do, why, why not? Why should I? Listen, you know me. I would go buy the ticket to walk up to the counter because I'm that way. I don't put fish planks in my pocket to go to. To see a movie, that's you. So if there's one guy there, I'll meet you at the shop and grab it. All right, I could do that. Yeah. Um, but as we were recording, uh, I saw a friend of the show, a uh, fellow con attendee from last weekend at the unnamed con, uh, Ethan Page, AEW superstar. Uh, he got to go see a preview screening of Blue Beetle. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah the perks of being a TV star, right? Right. If I'd only like, you know, really like sidled up to him, maybe I could have went with him. <laughs> we were we bonded at the con, man. It was we were tight, a little too tight in the handshake, but we were tight. Well, that's on you, not him. Yep, that is on me. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Blue Beetle, and I'm glad that I don't have to travel all the way up there to see the movie. I can go see it at my dirt theater down my way, you know. <laughs> and I, I wonder if I could bring my popcorn bucket with me, and they'll fill it for me with chicken blanks. 
No, they don't sell chicken planks at that theater no more. You could bring them in and cover them with a few popcorns. That's true. You're like, what's under that popcorn? Chicken planks. And, and this is more after Dark Talk than anything else. Um, it's back for, the, like, it's a limited time item at Arby's. But the hush puppy breading fish planks are back what? at Arby's. First of all, I have never knew they were there before. They were there. I can't remember when it was. It would have been either early this year or late last year. But again, I listen as a you know I, I got the pop up in the Arby's app that they're back in. So on my way home from uh, the LVAC this past weekend, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get myself a treat, and I got them. Oh, they're so good, Todd. You know what I'm thinking about now? I'm thinking about eating monster cereals out of that blue beetle bucket. There you go. That's, that's all. A, that's a perfect way to end the show. How about that? Yep. Let's end everything up here. This was episode 670 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a longbox hero. The Rob is a longbox hero. He gives us five five stars.